You are listening to Backstage Pass Podcast, hosted by Hannah Crigwell and brought to you by Tommy. The Backstage Pass Podcast is a guide for upcoming artists and newcomers to the music industry. Each week, I speak to experts in different fields, and in this episode, I'll be talking to Dr. Hayley Bosher about copyright in the music industry and important things to consider when you are remixing a song or using samples. Hello, Dr. Hayley Bosher. Hello. I don't believe we've ever had a doctor as a podcast guest before. Well, I think we should specify that I'm not a medical doctor. I can't save any of you, but I have a PhD, which gives me the grand title of a doctor and was fully my motivation for doing a PhD in the first place. I was like, what's a PhD? And oh, yeah. my supervisor was like, you get to be a doctor. And I was like, sign me up. Sounds, yeah, <laughs> sounds yeah. great. <laughs> so I Brilliant. love it. I use it all the time. Brilliant. So you are author of Copyright in the Music Industry book. And you also have an awesome podcast called Whose Song Is It Anyway? I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Read a book or watch a movie? Read a book. Especially mine. (laughs) Are your go-to songs happy or sad? Happy. It's a good question, though. I don't have to think about that one. Are you more excited about artificial intelligence or augmented reality? I think AI, I think artificial intelligence is going to have more of a... Uh, probably an actual impact on my personal life because maybe if like gaming and stuff, my, my experience of augmented reality stuff comes from, I used to work in the Netherlands and I taught um, people who were creating film and game. And so that's my experience of cool. augmented reality. And honestly, it made me feel seasick. Like... <laughs> I remember yeah. there was one where you actually do swim and like I, I felt like I was going to fall on my face all the time. So for, for me personally, it wasn't a great experience. So I think I'm not going to be so much into that as maybe the AI stuff might actually come into my life more. Can you give us kind of like an overview of your career? Because there's so many things that you do. I have worked with probably more non-law students than law students, even though I'm a legal academic. And I think that's what gives me the ability to be able to like communicate and connect with like non-law audiences, which is harder to come across, I think. Whereas like lots of my colleagues are great at teaching the law students and not so great at connecting with the people who might be at the effect of the law that they're working on. Right. Yeah. And also for me, I did performing arts before I did law. Like really that's where my heart is. I just love music, film, theater. I really, my dream job genuinely would be, to be in musical theatre like ah. that would be my dream job I would just love it um but I was like super average at these things and so I went to uni and did a law degree instead so I was like yeah I could probably do better in this arena um and then I found intellectual property and I was like a marriage of my two favorite things the whole copyright thing I think can be a bit um daunting especially to new or like upcoming songwriters for me um I feel like I kind of know things that I need to know at this point but I have had one question in my mind for a while which is what happens when somebody like a DJ or a producer remixes a track that's already been released if you wanted to like technically do it correctly uh, uh you would need a license for that or permission at least um from the rights holder and there's a couple of rights at play. It's not 
it is a little bit like layered. So, you know, the song has two rights. You have a right in the actual composition of the song and you have a right in the sound recording. And if you're making a remix of a song, you're usually using both of those rights because, you know, like if you make a cover of a song, you're only using the compositional copyright. Yeah. Unless you use a backing track, maybe. But if you're doing a remix, you're using two. So you might need two licenses could be from two different people depending on the song and the thing about the clearance of those kind of things it can sometimes it can be like a um pretty straightforward situation where you just go through like mcps other times it depends if your remix becomes like a whole new song and then you need to actually negotiate a license with the rights holders it depends on like who you are and what you're doing and what the purpose of the song is if you're releasing it or if you're just putting it on YouTube you know we interviewed some a representative from PRS who is the licensed body um for one of our uh podcast get as a podcast guest and she was like it's really straightforward just get a license and I was like <laughs> I hear what you're saying I do at the very core of it it's like if you want to use someone else's creative work you should you should get permission you should get a license and I'm a pro copyright person in that sense but also you have to be realistic and you have to look at the context and specific circumstances of what the situation is to see what's doable. Yeah. Um, and then and you, you go from there. If anyone ever used a sample, it, the first question is, well, how? Like, who do I even contact? Yeah, exactly. And I, there are people now whose jobs, like full on job. There was a guy who helped me with my, when I wrote the book, I wanted to check to make sure that some of the things I'd said about how much it costs to get a certain sample license and stuff like that, like it was actually right. And yeah. his his job is he's a sample accountant. Like that's Whoa. his yeah, that's his whole job. So wow, people, it's become such a massive like industry in itself, like clearing sample rights. That that is yeah. some people's whole job is to just do that. So there are there are people you can hire to help you, but you have to be at that level in that position where you're hiring people to help you. If you're doing it yourself, which is obviously like how everybody starts, is maybe just like one or two of you. Um, then yeah, exactly. It's like how who do I what do I do? Call up Warner? Like, <laughs> can I use <laughs> yeah. this? Can I use this sample? They're like, this is not the right department for this. Um, so yeah, sometimes it can be like you don't know where to begin, and then you don't know how much it's going to cost, and then there's usually yeah, a negotiation. Exactly. That's the thing is, for me, my motto is always like knowledge is power because when it gets to the negotiation part, if you don't know what your rights are, what's allowed, what's not allowed, and how much this usually costs, they could be like, "Cool, we want seventy five percent of your royalties for this five second sample," and you'd be like, "Is that maybe that's." what happens you don't know um Mm. so the negotiation and everything in copyright is a negotiation all the licenses all the contracts you know that's all it is it's it's just a legal agreement you know a contract is just like an agreement between two people recognized by law so we can say whatever you want it to say and you have to negotiate that and you can't really negotiate a contract if you don't know what's going on and like what is acceptable and what your rights are and what would be okay like when it would be okay for you to use a sample without paying a license at all for example but there's a lot of people who are freelancing who would write a song sell that as a work for hire never get any royalties for it but then would never have been paid for that song if they hadn't have 
sold as a work for hire. So it's a bit of a strange situation, is it? How how do you feel about that stuff? Well, it kind of actually, I, the reason probably why it reminded you of it is the same thing how I feel about it is that like, I don't, sometimes you can't say work for hire is good or bad because it entirely depends on the person and the situation and the song, everything. Yeah. But what I do have a strong view about is that people shouldn't be signing these contracts if they don't really understand what they're missing out on. You know, like not understanding that you could be making royalties from this if you didn't assign those rights, but just assuming like, oh, this is just how that works. Here you go. Here's the song I made. Um, you know, which sometimes it's like that lack of understanding could lead someone into a disadvantaged situation, but mm. also not even, you know, lack of understanding, like not understanding what an assignment is, but not getting how valuable copyright can be to you. Like how keeping those rights can sustain you for longer. And you might sell those rights, you know, like you're seeing in the news recently, people selling their catalogs and that's their pension that will pay for their, the rest of their life. But they could only do that because they had those rights to sell. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, I've done it as well. Like the book, for example, I get a very small royalty payment every time I mean you think the music industry is bad you should the publishing industry is a joke with like <laughs> the amount I get is a, luckily I have a salary because I work at university I wouldn't be able to live off that but for the audiobook I recorded it as an audiobook because I wanted it to be like more accessible they paid yeah. me a, they paid me a one-off fee and I won't get any royalties for that that's fine by me what frustrates me is people who sign this and then the song becomes really successful, makes somebody else millions and they're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I should have kept it. Yeah. Stinger. Um, yeah, real stinger. And, that would you know, hurt. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, and that's when we see like some case law where people, that happens and then they go and fight about it. But ultimately they're usually bound by the contract that they signed if you can't show duress or like you know somebody pressured you into signing it uh, mm. then it's like well you did agree I have had clients where this has happened and they've come to me and do you know what sometimes and I'm sure other like copyright lawyers would probably say the same thing sometimes you feel a bit like not a therapist but the sometimes you have to just help the person emotionally rather yeah. than lawyering it's really strange but because it's all to do with their creative art so I'm thinking of this one guy who created something and it was amazing and he sold it to Disney and they took it and they did something else with it and he didn't like what they did with it and so he's like but that was my baby I made it like this because this is how it was in my head and I was like yeah it's not yours anymore like you sold Mm. it and you know it then it became so that's what I mean about it, it becomes so emotional because when yeah. you sell something which is when you assign the right to somebody else you give up the right to t- say how they use it sometimes you even give up the right that they might not use it at all and the whole thing gets lost which is even also really devastating <laughs> yeah because yeah. like in the when I work with film people this happens a lot where there's like a no obligation clause in the contract which means we are not obliged to use the thing you give us but you should always ask for a way, if I don't use it, can I have it back? But that's something you need to negotiate in the in the contract negotiations. You wouldn't 
automatically have that in there. It ultimately came down to a fear in him that he would never create anything as good as that thing he created. And so that's why he was so obsessed with this thing that he had sold and they'd changed it. Um, And I was like, but you'll have other good ideas. Like you're not, people don't just come up with one idea and it's the end of their creativity, you know? Speaking of good ideas, what is your track of the week? I've just found out that Reading Festival is going ahead this year and I'm feeling really nostalgic about Reading Festival. And so I was listening to Fallout Boy because I've nice. seen them a couple of times at Reading Festival. And I was just like, they remind me of this period of time when I was at college. It's so weird, isn't it? How some songs, like the second it comes on, it just takes you to this place. Not even like where I was. I can remember how I felt in yeah. that song. It gives me like a moment in time. And I'm just like, wow. Um so maybe not a song. That's not a song. That's an artist. But sugar, that, sugar, we're going down or something. Yeah, like, that. like old school Fallout Boy from yeah. college years. I've just been having that on really loud and like dancing around the house, pretending it's <laughs> live music. What is the best lesson you've learned in your career so far? That's really hard to even think about that because my career is such, and probably it's exactly the same for you, where like there actually is no line between career and life. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Everything that's happening in my career right now is a perfect merge of like, you know, I work hard and I'm very prepared, but, uh, but also I'm super available for like the universe to just like take over and go with the flow. Like even the book, my music book, it happened so serendipitously. Like I was at my friend's book launch and I had an idea that I would write a book about music and copyright. And I was talking to someone, it turned out to be her book editor, who is now my book editor. And it's like, if I hadn't gone to that event and talked to that guy, this book wouldn't exist. Be prepared and work hard, but actually be available for something that you don't actually imagine would happen. Because, you know, I didn't think that I would be in this point in my life. Well, ever, like I said, I didn't even know what a PhD was. This was not on my life plan to become an academic and write a music book and all that stuff. Like, it a lot of it feels like it just kind of happened yeah which is I think in a good way you know like I'm sure I just feel like I show up and as long as you show up like the universe will show up and meet you and then like good things happen because if I imagine what I thought well like I said if I imagined my life I'd be on the stage doing musical theatre but here I am and I do genuinely really enjoy my job so um, yeah that's awesome You've been such a great guest on this podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time. Not at all. It's been really good fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Be sure to hit subscribe and leave a comment to let us know what you think. And I will see you next time on Backstage Pass.